podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Um, welcome to Sports Unplugged on yet another Friday night. It's going to be a packed one today because there's loads of sports that are popping off uh, tomorrow, Sunday and Monday as well. So that's why I thought to Gav, I said to Gav, we've got to get a four-man panel in. So I'd like to welcome my newest guest, Jay. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, lads. Good to be on. Uh, it's going to be a really good weekend with loads of sports. Golf obviously started today and then with the football tomorrow, some big games, and then of course we've got the boxing Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to it. One hundred percent. And Kev, back again, second week in a row. How are you Not feeling? Feeling how? All good. All good. It's been a busy week, so loads to get on with this weekend. Looking forward to it, man. Yeah, and uh, the ever hardworking Conroy. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing, mate? Third show. You got your match ball today, and then you've got uh, your fourth yeah. show tomorrow. Yeah, you? I know. I know. No, the pre-match. It's me and Chris tomorrow. I found that out. Daz is a. Daz has got a few things on. He's getting Sky installed this week, so he said it's best we don't use his Wi-Fi because he's just moved. So it'll be me and Chris Brack tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow for the the pre-match for Liverpool game. Doing well, mate. Looking forward to the show. And as Jay and Kev said, lots of support to this weekend. Got it. Got it. Got it. And we're gonna go straight into it, guys. It's a big weekend in the Premier League and I want to come to you Jay straight off the bat um, Chelsea City uh, Tuchel's got the better of Pep hasn't he in the last sort of three four meetings between the two how do you see this one going it is at Stamford Bridge can Pep get one over or is it going to be a bit of a struggle game isn't it I said the start of the season I think the three teams genuine type of contenders and obviously Liverpool are one of them and the other two are Chelsea and Man City and I did think that the season that Chelsea would be the biggest threat to the title this season just because with Man City I just think they should have signed Kane I mean Grealish is a great player but to pay £100 million for him it's not really something that we needed we really needed to replace Aguero and get Harry Kane and on and on he ended up getting Grealish and then in the end Kane stayed and I just look at them and I just think they've got a few injuries as well going into this game. Um, Chelsea are flying, aren't they? We've seen them at Anfield the other week and very well-drilled team. I think the best thing that could have happened to them was them going down to 10 men because you could just sit in there and Liverpool, as they proved last year, under crucial when he came in, they had loads of clean sheets, really difficult team to break down. You know, Liverpool found it difficult and it's the only game that would drop in this season. Um, the massive threats to the title. Going into this game against Man City, I mean, it's it's very difficult to even predict what will happen. You know, people are writing City off, but we still know they're a fantastic team with the champions and got a couple of big games coming up, not just the Chelsea one. We've also got PSG in midweek in the Champions League, and then they've got Anfield next week as well, next Sunday. So it's, it's a tough schedule for City. Um, and you're right, you know, Tuchel might have the Indian plan over Pep. I mean, you've got to consider the fact that you know, he's he, he three times, hasn't he? The biggest one of all was the Champions League final. Um, 
colours like we beat them as well, didn't we, at the Etihad and we beat them in the FA Cup semi-final game. So we could have the Indian sign over them. And I just think with Chelsea, whereas City, we got Grealish to get the centre forwards. That's one thing Chelsea did do because we got the Kiku and the man's a goal machine. Well, obviously, we feel in his time at Man United, he struggled a little bit, didn't he? And wanted to move on for a new new adventure. He went to Italy, and he seemed to have tuned his game perfectly now. And he's 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 a brilliant number nine. You know, he scores goals for fun, apart from when he's up against Virgil. But uh, you know, he is a brilliant, brilliant player, and he's going to score goals galore for Chelsea, in my opinion. And you know, this is the thing, you know, they've strengthened in in a, in a key area. If you look at last season. Their main goal scorer was Jorginho from midfield. It just shows you Tim awareness struggled, Abbott struggled. I know we scored in the Champions League final, but he did struggle, do you know what I mean, really, throughout the season. And you know, they've got Lukaku now. So it's going to be really tough. Um, but I just I just think style mate written all over it. I think the two really good sides, and I just think maybe Guardiola will blame the thing or two and then in a couple of games against Tuchel. Kev, I want to come to you and mm. uh, I think uh, Jay just um, alluded to it that he sees a sort of maybe a stalemate, a draw. Is that is that the best result for us on Saturday, a draw between the two? And if if City do lose, I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, jump to the gun so quickly, but if City do lose, is, is that detrimental to their season? Could the pressure really be on Pep then? Do you see the no, season now? I think the pressure is on Pep anyway. Um, the one thing I'd say with Man City, De Bruyne should be back for tomorrow. Uh, Fernandinho probably play in the middle with De Bruyne. And whew, it'd be interesting to see who he picks in the third. Diaz and Ake will have to deal with um, Lukaku. But I see Chelsea's system. It's very similar to Antonio Conte when he played five back and he played five two three. This is like five four one when they were defending, but when they attacked, the wing backs blew on, the wing forwards came tight, and Tuchel is doing very similar. They're a very, very good side. And you saw it last week against Tottenham. I mean, I don't I stand by what I said last week about Tottenham, they're a disaster club. But the way they fell apart after 20 minutes and the change, the one change that Tuchel made at halftime went to 5-3-2. The system he plays is flexible and they just destroyed Tottenham. They were, I, I mean, Tottenham were embarrassing. And Kev, they had I the finish of chances though. Kev, they had the, Tottenham first half. They weren't too bad. They no. Too they, bad. In the first 20 minutes, they went 3v3 with their centre-backs and City won't be able to do that because they don't have a nine to play off. Uh, Ferran Torres is still learning the trade. Ferran Torres is a winger. They're trying to. He's Pep is trying to convert him into a striker, but Ferran Torres is a winger. Um, they're still finding their feet with the way they Pep plays, and I see Chelsea winning this, and I don't think it'll be close. I think it'll be three 0 easy. Wow. I, I, I do, you honestly, think, do you think Sam may control the game though, Kev, in the sense of, I'm not saying possession, yeah. sorry, have more possession, just like you know, because yeah. that's what Guadalupe's going to try and do, but then Chelsea will probably just pick them off in the break. Yeah. And I, I could see that, if you know what I mean. I don't necessarily think Chelsea will dominate the game, but I think they'll just catch them on the counter. Is that, do you think I that, think, Kev? 
I think Chelsea, if they play a midfield with Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic, they'll have enough to break really quickly. And depending on who Luke plays up front with Lukaku, if it's Werner, he'll miss so many chances. But if it's Havertz, then yeah, they'll, they'll just sit in, play on the break, and they'll take they'll tear they'll tear City to shreds. The only saving grace for City is Cancelo is a very very good fullback. He's probably their best defender in my opinion. He can play left wing, left back, right back equally as well, and he's going to be vital to City staying in the game. If Chelsea can get any kind of breaks on City with Lukaku, they'll punish them. They really will. Conroy, I want to come to this um, chat from Adred. Guardiola has to go for the win, even at this early stage, surely. Do you feel the same way, Conroy, or do you think that they can lose this and sort of still sort of come back into it? Oh, the only one, uh, they're three points, uh, three points behind us, aren't they? Three points behind us and Chelsea, aren't they? And yeah. The only thing I'd say with City is, um, I actually agree with Jay, and the point is, the one thing I'll say is City in previous years it might not be the same this year. I understand that people probably say like Chelsea, even United get Ronaldo. There's 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 more that other teams are better, more consistent, and and City maybe can't get away with having his poor performances. However, City for me do have this thing where see if City had to win ten games in a row and it, the kind of fixtures fell for them. I feel like they could do that just with their style of play. Like they'll beat the teams they need to beat. If you know what I mean, and they're the best at that beating the teams that. Like we've maybe had problems in the past, and and what what I mean by that is they've shown that previously. However, I would say if you put the themes and the factors of this being the fourth game in a row, there is different circumstances to each loss. But I think as Jay said, see with that Champions League final one being the, the, the third one, it makes it the perspective. It looks like yeah, he's definitely got his card. And if he wins tomorrow, even a draw, I think a draw is actually okay for City tomorrow. Because it kind of means the the Tuchel factor thing gets kind of forgotten about. That's it. The problem with Guardiola is, I'm not joking, and I'm not I'm not being flippant here, guys. Right? But seeing like three of the two two out of those three games, I know the one was the, the FA Cup semi final, so he, he wanted to make changes to rotate. Okay, but see if he just played the team that he played the week before. It like I mean, he took a, a defensive mid in the Champions League final, like. Honestly, when you talk about overthinking, like it's not rocket science, right? I understand his style of play is the very, very top, right? But it's literally, it's not the most, it's not rocket science football. And he tries to take a CDM out against Kante. Oh, I just don't know. So it's just like, in my head, a draw is good for City tomorrow. A loss, however, it, I'm not saying they can get back in it. This season's just very different to last season, I think, anyway. Jay, I want to come to the Champions League final. Not playing a recognised CDM ultimately cost him that game. Um, you know, what was, in your eyes, what, what is the thinking behind that logic? Is it that he wants to win in a certain style or he wants to have a blueprint on this City team? What is it by not playing a CDM when it was crying out for one in that final? Like, I can't, to this day, still figure out, like, what was he trying to do? Is it him again just overthinking stuff like he has done? Even at Bayern, the three semi-finals in the Champions League, he was always overthinking. Is is that what it is with Pep? Does he have this sort of what, a, a complexion, a, a complex where he needs to do something different to be sort of renowned because he's got this tag of winning the Champions League, but he had Messi at Barcelona. Is it Does he does he need to do something different to be recognised? Is, 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 that, is that what it is with him? 
You know what? He's the master of overthinking, isn't he? And that's the big thing about him. Um, he's a very fortunate manager because when he was Barcelona manager, he inherited great players, didn't he? He had Lionel Messi there. We were a fantastic team. Um, and then he went to Bayern Munich and they're the, the biggest team in Germany. They spend the most money. And obviously, they're not the best players. Up to Dortmund, they were the second best team there. And at the moment, it's Leipzig, probably, isn't it? But you know, obviously, they've started dropping their players as well now, haven't they? So, you know, it's one of them situations he's a very lucky manager because he's now come to England, well, five years ago, and they spend the most money. So, you know, let's be honest, he's one dimensional in his ways, I think, and he does overthink. And I think when he comes up against the manager, he seems to have his measure. And we've seen it with Klopp, time and time again. Many times have Klopp done it to him, where Klopp's beaten plenty of times, hasn't he? And he just overthinks and his team selection gets it all done. And he's got no, no no plan B for me. So when he tries to change it, it all ends up going sits up for him. And I think Tuchel's come, he's been like a breath of fresh air to the Premier League, hasn't he? And obviously he seems to have deal with at the moment. And, you know, this is the thing. He's battling with the demons now going into this game because he's lost three on the spin in the short space of time to the same manager, to the same team. Um, and, and probably will have a bit of a, a cautious approach Again, you know, like for this game, you know, we, we know City are going to control the ball, they're going to have most, most of the possession. You do that against every team. It's very rare Liverpool suffer to the hands of any any team in terms of possession. that does tend to do well against us in terms of that is Man City because of Guardiola and his methods. But for me, he hasn't got a plan B. And that's the thing. If a manager seems to find them out a little bit with tactics, i.e. Klopp, and now with Tuchel a little bit as well, you know, I just think he flaps it a little bit and he's tactically naive in that sense, which is strange to say that because he's loaded, isn't he, as the greatest manager in football. But let's be honest, he spent the most money in football, hasn't he, really, apart from Mourinho. So, it's farcical to say that, in my opinion, because he's been very fortunate, as I say. The job he's at Paisley, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, now at Man City. And look, he's got to find this one to try and get what Tuchel seems to have over him at this moment in time. But... As I say, going into this game tomorrow, I just think it'll be a stalemate. I think it'll be a draw. I just think we'll feel each other out and probably cancel each other out as well. And I just think it'll be a draw. I just think it's going to throw it and all over it. Avi, can I just add one more thing to that? I know we said that last night, and it was just to add to Jay's point. Um, so the point about Tuchel. Now, now before it says, I'm not saying Tuchel's not got a philosophy or identity, but the one thing about Tuchel is... We mentioned that yesterday, didn't we? That he's, he's like the master of counteracting what you're doing, and I don't necessarily mean like he's so, so attention to detail. And to be honest, quite a ruthless manager. So he sees his team. There's a great I know I said it last night. There's a great YouTube documentary. He sees his team as a system that can move, and it's a lot easier to do that with a Chelsea. Great players, but instead of a PSG, we know we said last night, it's a lot harder when you've got a team of superstars to get them to move in a system. And that's why, you know, you talk, Kev, the Tottenham game's a great example, putting Canty on at half-time for... Or who was it for? Mount. I can't remember. Mason Mount. And Mason Mount, who I, I really rate. I think he's a very good player and he's been playing for him, but he's ruthless like that. And it's about the system to counteract teams. And it's quite funny, isn't it, now? Because we talk, we lord people on philosophies. And he has got a philosophy. He has got a possession based and he's got yeah. a good style, as you said. However, he's not scared to just like change that and adapt during a game, which I think is, um, I guess, forgotten about at times. So that's that's why I think Tuchel has been so successful. Is he's, he's, he can make his adaptability is amazing. 
He can make it ugly as well if he wants to. They can play pretty football, Chelsea. And even his Dortmund team, when he first came in charge from Mainz, they played very exciting football. But he, he can be an ugly customer with these teams. They can set up and just shut up and shop. And at Anfield, I thought it was a great defensive clinic that he put on. We can say that we missed chance and we should have beaten him with 10 men, but they defended really well. When they put Thiago Silva there at the set stroke of half time, that was a great move, you know. And like, if you need an old guard there at, the, at, at that sort of. Defense, just marshalling the defence and midfield as well. So, the know, one thing you could tell in the difference there, the Chelsea game against us and the Man United game against Young Boys, and you could see the difference in the changes that were made in both games at halftime. Mm. Chelsea were still a threat with 10 men. They still caused the odd problem here and there. Could, could say they had the best when, chance in the second half. If you yeah, look at the yeah. Oh, could have said, yeah. Yeah, but when United made the change at halftime and went on to lose the game, the, the, the mindset, everything was completely different. It was completely wrong. And he went to the same back five, the same midfield, and they just couldn't do it. The Chelsea players have bought into this, and they're going to be there, thereabouts in May. There's no, there's, there's no point saying they're not. They're heavily dependent on Lukaku. If anything happens to him, they're dependent then on Timo Werner. And the difference between this season and last season Last season, you had Giroud and Tammy Abraham to lighten the load, you know, to play the odd games here and there, to come off the bench with 30 minutes to go, to give their senior player, their main man, a rest. That's not there this season. This season, they're relying on two centre-forwards to carry them through potentially a 65-game season. And that's why it's early in the season to be calling this one title deciders and stuff like that. But at the same time, by 6.30 next Sunday, Man City could be nine points behind us yeah. after playing six games. Or seven games, sorry. That's, that's a big lead already. Six, six, seven games in, that's already huge, yeah. That's huge. But it's huge for our for our club's mentality because we have the late kickoff tomorrow. We know what we have to do by the time we start tomorrow. So we'll know where we are. And that's a huge incentive to the players. Massive. Yeah. They're not stupid. They read tables. They They know. You know, they know what a, what a points gap of nine points. Dropping four, so, you know, potentially yeah. losing three games just to be caught in a season is huge. And it's I think last year, massive. Kev, as well, City started poor and then everyone was like, I know it's a different season, but they were like, oh, that's mm. them done. And then they came back. And I think knowing that yeah. last year, I'm not saying Liverpool were naive to that, but I do think some pundits definitely were. I feel like if you can get that lead ahead... You say yeah. absolutely a great incentive for us. So uh, it's a massive shout, mate. Really good shout. Kev, just a quick prediction on the game then for uh, tomorrow. It's the early kickoff. It's four thirty. It's a four thirty in the morning but, kickoff. For yeah, me, so there's there's two, no... it's weird because there's two. Tw- there's, <laughs> no drinking there's tonight two er- for me. Yeah. <laughs> there's two early kickoffs tomorrow. Just nuts. United Villas at twelve thirty as well. It's absolutely bonkers. Well, but why is that? Two why great watches. I have a feeling it's to do with the Far East TV deal that they pulled that one, the Man United one forward. I can't think of any other reason. That's what I think. I I might be completely wrong. I don't know. My prediction for tomorrow will be 3-0. I see Chelsea 3-0 win. I really do. No, I I really do. I I just think that this, this version of Man City are not what they were over the last two seasons. Oh. I think the whole that Aguero left, 
is massive. It's not just the hole is him in as a player. It's the hole he's left in the squad. David Silva too. It's David massive. Yeah. I think David Silva's still a miss. I know they got Foden. I still think his yeah. presence, his you know, his experience. I think that's uh, still a big miss for them as well. Um, yeah. I know they've put. They, statues I mean, they, up, they've, they, well, yeah. But look, I mean, it's a bit. I I don't know about any of you guys. When I see play, <laughs> you know statues for players who retired five minutes ago, I'm like, just how just how much of a small club it's, are you? He looks like Kenny yeah. Dalglish, though, doesn't he? he looks like Kenny Dalglish. Silva is probably a PO legend. Of Silva of a there, there was a picture on Twitter a couple of. <laughs> there was a picture on Twitter a couple of weeks ago when the, the, it was a, I think it was a Japanese tourist, went there to take, and get a picture tweeted. taken of himself, <laughs> and he tweeted. <laughs> I just thought it was the funniest thing I'd seen. I thought the I mentality, said, the head. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's you have to have on you to think it's, of that. It's still not as bad as Ronaldo's. For, that was the worst one. That is, is that the, the one when, when you went back to um, yeah, the fair or something, one. wasn't it? Yeah, that's the it worst is, one. It's at Madeira Airport. It's at Madeira Airport. That's the one. Conroy predictions. We've got a stalemate from Jay. We've got a 3 0 from Chelsea for Kev. I'm stuck, I'll be honest. I think Jay's shout's good as well. I, I, I said, we said before, I feel like I've got a funny feeling that City could win. And I'm, listen, there's no logic behind that. I just, as you say, in my head, I feel like, you know, we talk about someone saying laws the average, but Guardiola might pull something off tomorrow. I'm going to go, I'm going to agree with Jay, actually. I, I think, I'd, Kev, I could see your shout happening. Do not get me wrong. I just yeah, think yeah, yeah. in my head. It's one of those head, games. Yeah, Guardiola, remember at Liverpool when he, we, uh, beat them 4 free the following season he came more compact and it was like yeah. it was nil-nil with a Mares penalty miss but even City were much yeah. more compact and here, the full here's, back the, back. here's the thing I could see that happening. City have to get something they have to they really really do they can't they have to get a draw um, at least no, absolutely. Just, I, I, yeah, I'd agree with that. that I need a draw yeah, at least. Because the, 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 win, the win piles on as well as Tuchel's for points. So for me, I'm going to agree with you. I'll say stalemate. I'd say 1-1. I could see it being 1-1. But Kev, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if yours came true, mate, because I can completely see yeah. what you're saying happening. I just think surely, surely he'll, he'll try something. He'll get it right, he's, yeah. He, he's a master at overthinking, so we'll see. Nice little comment there from Craig Lowe. Good day, Reds. 2-2 for me. Then Liverpool. Liverpool's top of the league a few hours after. I'm going to go. So, Kev's gone for a Chelsea 3-0. You've got two draws there. I'll go with the juggle and say City win 2-1. Just going to go with it. We'll go it'll with be City a good game to watch. It'll be a good, it'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, it'll be worth waking up for, considering I'll go to sleep back at 1am. So, waking up at 4.30. What right time's that game, game tomorrow, guys? Is that half 12, did you say? Half 12. It's 12 30 kick off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fine. And we'll we'll go on to the next sort of twelve thirty kickoff is United Villa and Jay. I know we've had this conversation on WhatsApp or even in the Twitter group that we were in last season. How lucky United were last season, getting the penalty shouts and the last minute sort of winners. It's happening again, isn't it? Early on already with uh, West Ham last week, um, De Gea saves his first penalty in what was it four years? Is that's his first penalty saving like something silly um, like that for for something? Yeah. Um, it's happening again, Jay, isn't it? They've got that lady luck at the moment. And with Ronaldo, they've actually got a striker now who... It's no nonsense, isn't it? it you know the ball's going in the back of the net as soon as he's got a sniff of a chance. How do you see United getting on this season? Um, they lost to young boys uh, last week. But how do you see this season? They are title contenders, there's no doubt about it. Can you see them lasting up until April, May? Last few weeks of the season? Or do you see them falling off under Ollie? 
I think you've just nailed it at the very end of it, where you said they've got Ollie. <laughs> because, you know, ultimately, you know, to this day, I always look at it and think, to be successful and to be a proper challenger, you've got to have a top-class manager. Now, this is why I said before, the three contenders for the title are Liverpool, City and Chelsea. And why? Because we've all got the best managers in the league. If United replace Solskjaer with someone who's got half a clue of what he's doing, then he's have more of a chance. But what I will say is, United have signed Ronaldo, but let's be honest, scoring wasn't Man United's problem. It's basically the control in the middle of the park because the likes of Fred, the likes of Matic, the likes of McTominay, they're not good enough. They're not good enough to be in a team that's going to genuinely challenge for the title. Now, you look at the centre-backs, now Varane's a very good sign and, you know, people question why they're going but the thing is, what I will say is, Varane's brilliant, he's world-class, he's proved that over time. But when you've got Lee Maguire sitting next next to him, as the other centre-back, we all know he's an accident waiting to happen. Now look, I don't care if you've spent £18 million on him, and I don't care that he's, he's an absolute liability, he's a calamity. We've seen mistake after mistake after mistake. Even this season, someone done a compilation of the game. Yeah, yeah. All the mistakes that he's done. He, he, he's a shambles. And it's going to cost them, certainly in, in big games anyway. Um, so for me, you said that they are title contenders. I don't think they are title contenders at all. I mean, at the moment, they're on 13 points, same as us. So yeah, at this moment in time, they're level with us. Only five games in. You've already touched on it yourself. How fortunate have they been yeah. already this season? They were absolutely battered by Wolves and scored a late goal that was deflected off the key. The shot come across and basically the keeper threw in his own net. He, he uh, got away with murder at Southampton, really. He should have scored towards the end, Southampton to win the game. And then against West Ham, he scored a, a late goal by Lingard. And then, of course, you know, the penalty miss. So they've been very, very lucky this season, make no mistake about it. And of course, they've got Ronaldo, so he's the X factor, and he might be 36 years of age, but he does look like he's going to score every single game, doesn't he? But I'll even go to. The fact that he scored four goals in three games. And if you analyse the four goals he scored, they've all been goalkeeper mistakes. Thanks, Jesus, Jesus Christ, I'm not being funny on but the lad scores goals for fun. So he doesn't need the goalkeeper to help him by throwing them in their own net, does he? Or letting them go through the legs and all that and spilling them in front of his back into to their slot home. So they've been very lucky. And they're notoriously a lucky team. We know that. They've been like that for years and years. Probably the most fortunate team in world football. But let's be honest, you know, he still scored goals for fun. We were doing it last season anyway. You know, when you've got the likes of Martial, you've got Rashford, you've also got like Fernandez chips in with a lot of goals. A lot of them are set piece goals. Like he scored a lot of penalties last year. But what you've got to look at this season, he scored some really good goals for them as well. So if anything he stepped up to the plate a little bit more this season, Fernandez, he hasn't been scoring the penalties. He's been scoring them from open play as well. Um, but again, he's another player for me, totally overrated. You know, he's a luxury player, isn't he? He wouldn't work in a clock type system no. because he gets dispossessed too easily, gives the ball away too easily. Now, some might say it's because he's trying to probe, he's trying to look forward, he's trying to make something happen and create. I understand that, and he is a good player, there's no doubt about it. He certainly wouldn't work in a clock type system because he gives the ball away far too cheaply for me. He is a luxury player, there's no doubt about that. But like I say, they've got other issues, United. They might have spent money on Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo, but they haven't signed in the key areas of their team. 
Now, look, everyone said about the hair as well. He was a bit dodgy for a few years. He's had a good start in the field. He made a couple yes. of good moves. But we all know he's an accident waiting to happen just as much as Harry Maguire is. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not convinced by United at all. But, you know, look, tomorrow I've predicted the Chelsea Man City. And if that's the case, I do think United will probably be filler. So before we play, United are probably going to be top when we go into our game against Brentford, if, if it goes to what my predictions are. Um, but yeah, I think Villa are a good side, don't get me wrong. I think um, we were unlucky in midweek against Chelsea in the cup. We were also unlucky against Chelsea when they got beat 3-0. It was never a 3-0 scoreline a couple of weeks ago with Stamford Bridge either. I think they're, they're a good team. We battered Everton last weekend. They're a dangerous team, well organised as well at times. Now under Schmidt, you know, after the first year, he struggled, nearly went down. Last year, he had a really good season. But some good players, they might have lost Grealish. The they've recruited, they've recruited really well. Bundia, Bailey, Ings, yeah. Danny Ings out of nowhere. Literally. Bailey's out tomorrow. He's got an injury, so that's a little bit disappointing. Um, but like I say, we've got some good players, there's no doubt about it. And I think they'll keep United honest tomorrow, but I think United will get a victory and they'll probably be top of the table by the time we play it half hour. Kev, are you in the same uh, sort of inkling towards Jay? Like, United win, or do you think Dean Smith's Villa will uh, provide a stiff, uh, stiff opposition? Yeah, I think it's possibly the hardest game of the season so far, the biggest test. Um, Villa are the kind of side who could go and absolutely take them apart if they're honest, if they're brave. If they, if Watkins and Ings are brave and Bundia can get on the ball, which, let's face it, Jay was dead right in what you're saying. Man United need, didn't need Cristiano Ronaldo at all. If anything, he's hamper. He's going to hamper Greenwood as a player. Um, they needed a holding mid. Desperately needed a holding mid more than anything else. And they didn't get it. So the better sides will pick, pick holes in their midfield. Saying that, Ronaldo is a freak. He's an absolute freak. And if he comes available on the market, you get him. You know, and Ronaldo and his agent played United like a fiddle. You know, put the put the word out that City were interested and we can't have that. So they went and got him. It was lunacy. But at the same time, they drew a lot of games last season. And if a Ronaldo can turn half those draws into wins, that would have put them up in and around the points total that City won the league with. You know what I mean? They're, I think they're finished fourth at the end of the season, but I think they could be, depending on what happens with them in Europe, they could they they could do something this season, especially if they sack Oli and bring in someone like an Antonio Conte. That would really give them a real chance. A proper manager with that squad, tactically, tactically now, with tactical now, could do bits with that squad. They really could, because they're a good squad. You think Conte would be a great fit for them, Kevin? He nearly ended up at Spurs, for God's sake, bar, bar a contract. So to say he's not available is, is ridiculous. United will pay anything. You know, that's pretty much out there. So... I think Solskjaer with his comments today in the press with Klopp and penalties is, is about as rattled. 
you know, it's about as rattled as you're ever going to get. And he probably knows that he's he's not long for the, for that job. Well, exactly, Kev. And it's like people try to say, is it mind games? The guy just got put out of the League Cup and lost his first Champions League at, at home. He's rattled. End of discussion. End of debate. It's like not even yeah. a... But honestly, I just anything nowadays, it's so one up upmanship on social media. It's like obviously yeah. he's rattled and he couldn't bite his tongue. It's that simple. No, Conor, to make that one worse, since Klopp made those comments, United have had five penalties. We've had two. Do you know what I mean? The context is usual, mate. It's just he it, can't just, even get so <laughs> You know, if he's gonna bullshit someone, then do it do it with some kind of credibility. You know, don't try to bullshit people on Twitter because at the end of the day, Twitter has a long memory that doesn't forget. So, exactly. you know, the internet knows. <laughs> it's just, it's actually, it's laughable at times, but yeah, it is what yeah. it is, mate. This is what I was alluding to, Kev, when I said, is Conte the right fit? Because Glazers are not ambitious enough to go for Conte because they know he'll call them out, as he has done at Chelsea, even at Juventus. And even at Inter, but uh, Inter had serious yeah. issues anyway with their ownership because of the CCP and whatnot. But mm-hmm. and Ole is a yes man for them. Maybe Conte could be a little bit too controversial for the Glazers. Maybe they might go for a safer option. But if Ole gets top he's four, a, he's not going anywhere, is he? Listen, more the merrier, more the merrier, more the merrier. Yeah, Ole oh, yeah, Ole in. I'm, I'm, I'm Ole in all day long. Ole in. I'm, you just said there, if he gets soft floor this season, he's not going anywhere. Let's be brutally honest, he's been in the job for, what, nearly three years or something now. He hasn't yeah. started winning trophies and I've already just been one life in the league. The only real trophy they can win now is the FA Cup. So they're not going to win the league. They're not going to win the league right? with him in charge, with uh, Harry Maguire playing centre-half. And not have a defensive midfield player who can support the back line and protect that back line against a better team. And they're not going to win the Champions League because if young boys are beating them, I know it's only the first game, but if young boys are beating them, how are they going to cope against someone like Bayern Munich or Liverpool or Chelsea or Manchester over two legs? It's not going to happen. In fairness, in fairness right. Villa tomorrow have the tools to give them a right good go. Watkins and Eakins are very good players. I know, I just think it's a very good player. So, Kev, I just think Villa, to me, will miss chances. You just know they'll miss chances tomorrow. I just look at Villa and I feel like Villa will have a big chance, miss it, and United will score. That, that To me, that's what will happen tomorrow. Can, but what I would say is, see, on the game tomorrow, Avi, um, Kev alluded to it, it's probably the biggest game of the season. Who have United played at home this game, again this season? I've completely forgotten. Leeds, Leeds in, Newcastle. Newcastle, right? So, last season, their biggest issue was... At times, they had a ter- not a very good home record last year, but a terrible home record at times. At the very start, anyway, we're talking about like getting beat by Spurs 6-1, uh, six, six, etc. Tomorrow's a huge game in the sense of, right, they beat Newcastle, they beat Leeds. Well, they, they, Newcastle's a gimme, and they beat the, they hammered Leeds last year. So United fans haven't learned, no one's learned anything. So tomorrow, as Kev said, it's a massive game, um, especially at half-twelve as well. Um, uh, to me, I can just see it being 1-0 United, and it Villa will, I guarantee you Villa will miss chances. Just to add though, John McGinn I think is cleared to play as well. That'll be a big um, vital. vital for Villa. And uh, obviously Ings as well. Like I, I, I do think Ings is a very ruthless striker. I just think I can just see Old Trafford, as you say guys, it's got those vibes this season that teams need to take their chances and they're just not going to tomorrow. But 
listen, hopefully Villa can do something, but I do see United winning. And as you said, when you've got Ronaldo, you are right, ironically, they probably need a CDM. They definitely do, but Ronaldo is still, he is ruthless. And I know the goals are tapping and stuff, but to be honest, he's shown his portfolio that he'll do more than that this season. I, I, I back him to get between 15 and 20 goals, maybe more, in the Premier League. Oh, yeah. See, I've got, I've got a... I've got a Villa draw tomorrow. I think they'll uh, sneak a draw tomorrow. I think it'll be a, Hopefully, um, mate. <laughs> a score draw. Uh, Kev, you're going United yeah. as well? No, going score draw. Score draw. Two, two. Great special. Great <laughs> special, Desmond. <laughs> and Jay you're, Jay, Jay, you're going with the United? Yeah, win? I just think they'll win. They just have a little bit too much. It's going to be a tough game. I just think they'll win two on the Ronaldo factor. Yeah, that, that, that's the case, isn't it? Ronaldo factor. We'll come on to the North London derby. Arsenal, Spurs, both clubs in kind of disarray. Spurs were flirting with a lot of managers throughout the summer. It does make me wonder why they didn't go out and get a Rafa Benitez. I thought he would have been a... But it's Daniel Levi, whether, whether they would have worked is another story, but I thought that would have been a good appointment. But they went for Nuno, a.k.a. Grizz Khan too, but... I want to come to this game. It's not the North London derby that we're sort of accustomed to in previous sort of years, previous seasons during the Wenger era. They were feisty games. How do we see this one going? Conroy, I want to come to you first. Um, it's a game that... It's a game that I would usually watch um, thoroughly and enjoy, but it's a game nowadays. It's a derby which I, I don't really care for anymore. Um, Conroy, are you in the same sort of... Um, no, so I was just laughing at that comment there by Red Steve, the battle for the conference place. Um, Steve, that's it, mate. I don't have to say anything else. No, no only joking. Um, I actually quite enjoy watching these games in neutral. Always have. At times, I've found it to be quite quite good games. I think we could all probably agree that. They're not usually quiet. They're usually quite entertaining. Um, you know, Spurs would go for Arsenal. They're usually quite good games. I talk about the when Spurs were 2 0 down at the Emirates, came back to win 3 2, and then Van de Vaart, Eunice Cabrillo, and their team scored the winner. And same a couple of years ago, where Arsenal were 2 0 down, and when they came back and drew 2 2, Bamiang, yeah. equaliser. had a few 4 4s as well. Um, good games, yeah. yeah. So I actually am looking forward to watching it from that perspective. Um, I mean, do I think that it changes it because of where they're both positioned? Probably not, to be honest, because I think, like, if I look to, like, seeing Scotland as well, it's maybe not to the same extent, because if you stay in Scotland in old form, it's like, it's like, it's very hard to compare that, because it's just the atmosphere, it's just, it's, in Scotland, you've only got, not everyone's just got one team, I'm not saying that, but it's you've got a bigger, more people just have one team. Whereas in different in England, I think it's more spread at different parts. Obviously, to be fair, the Merseyside Derby is probably a good example as well. You've got in that area, someone's got one team. But um, I, I think the game's going to be good no matter what, to be honest. I don't really think, I think they want bragging rights if they stay in London. Like, if you watch all the interviews, sometimes between Tottenham and Arsenal, this game's the most important thing is getting the bragging rights at the, the end of the season. Because let's be carefully honest, they're not going to win anything, are they? I just want to interrupt you. Is it bragging rights as of now, though, between both sets of fans? Because it's a very sort of, it's uncomfortable for both set of fans seeing their yeah. clubs so you know low in the league. I mean, Spurs got off to a good start, but then obviously they you know lost their way. You know, beating City first game of the season, you thought, hang on a minute, Spurs might you know be in the top six, but they've just fallen off the wagon as well. Is it bragging rights anymore with these two teams? I do think so, mate, because, like, see, be honest, football's football and it's very tribalism, isn't it? So the fact if 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 you watch any of the pre-match stuff, you can just tell that this week and the, the after reaction, 
Spurs and Arsenal fans will be solely focused on this is their game now. They can next week they can look at their position in the table, but this is their game. And I, I do think to be honest, I think that's just the nature of football. Like Spurs and Arsenal will probably see this as as like a cup final to them for the season. It's an interesting point, see from looking outside, you might think that Avi, but I feel like for anybody, even if the team's not doing well, these big derbies are that's what the fans they want to win. Um and it's I do, I do think for some reason I always feel like Arsenal will win these and even though I know Spurs have won a few, I'm not saying that, but I just, uh, even like last year, what was it, it was the Spurs, Spurs won, um, they won 2-0, didn't they, they caught them in the counter uh, and then following that it was Arsenal won, didn't they, won the Emirates It's game. the one when I think um, Arteta pushed Partey, didn't he, because you had a hamstring. Yeah, that was and one, he was yeah. coming off and he said, no, just stay on and then they went and scored, so I think Sonny, yeah. um, Son scored. It was the one where Arteta just literally pushed yeah, yeah. Arteta onto the pitch no, and said, was... carry on with the Namstring. But yeah. I mean, the standards went down in, the, you'd say, the quality of both teams in previous years. However, I still think it's actually going to be quite an entertaining game. And I'll tell you right now, if either, either of them win, they'll be absolutely buzzing. They can focus on their, their conference place agenda next week. But for this week, that'll be their... Right, that's just because of football, mate. Just tribalism, that's what it's like. And Fair play. What, what time is that kickoff? Is that is that Sunday or is that Sunday? Sunday, Sunday kickoff. Sunday. I think that'll be quite a high scoring game. Actually, I've got to watch this. It'll be nil nil now, but I think we'll say um, two two. I'll go for with that game. Jay, North London derby, a game that I'll. Um, I'm pretty sure you'll have a few bets on over two point five goals, maybe on this one. Last season, it was two nil, wasn't it? At Tottenham, but I think at the end, it was it two one to Arsenal, was it? Uh, was it the game when Lamella scored the Rabona? Unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was yeah. it, mate. Yeah, I forgot that was the game. Yeah. Came back and won the game, I think, didn't he? I'm sure they did. And, and I just think with it being like, obviously, there's no fans last season, this season, that's going to be a past 10 minutes. And you're right. I mean, it's the bragging rights, really, for, for North London. And look, they're both struggling teams now, aren't they? In more modern times, Tottenham have been to the Champions League final and challenged for the title. And Arsenal haven't done it for such a long time. Good team, really. I think modern times, and I just think like there's, there's, there is dragon rights there for these two teams. It is all about which is the cup final type of thing. And I've just got a little sneaky feeling Arsenal tails are up a little bit. They had a terrible start of the season, but they haven't. They've got a couple of decent players to be fair, and I think they've got a few injured players back now as well. So I think with Tottenham, we started the season well, but we were very lucky, really. What I think they had three one nil victories and. That was before the international break and the pains from that and they haven't been the same team at all. They struggled a little bit and just think with it being home advantage for Arsenal, just got a little feeling Arsenal might just sneak it on Sunday and go for a 2-1 Arsenal win. Shout Kev? Yeah, I'd go along with you. I think I'd go for 3-1 Arsenal. Um, Laura put up a comment there and I think it's she's dead right. If Nuno had, if Nuno was brave, he'd bench Kane and start Lucas Moura. Harry Kane has done. But Harry Kane has done. If Harry Kane was any other striker at any other club and wasn't the main man or club captain, on form alone, just on ability to get into the box, ability to create, to get on the end of chances, work rate. Willingness to run. Get get in the box, mate. He's nowhere near the box now. He's he's close to his own box. Matt has been in the box more times than he has, isn't he? I know, but this is the thing. Spurs don't look... I said, look, Nuno Spurs as centre is is a negative coach. He's a defensive coach. He was at Wolves. He will be at Tottenham. 
that hasn't changed, that won't change. It's the way he is. It will look good in spurts. When sun turns up, it will look good. But in general, they're treading water. And this is a battle for who's the third best team in London. I'm sorry, Arsenal fans, Spurs fans, but you're the third best side and fourth best side in the capital city. Long gone are the days of Arsenal and Spurs, guaranteed top four, pushing top four. They're miles off it, both clubs. They're a, a country mile off it. And there's no, there's no dressing that up. Kevin, is this where you think that in the summer they should have maybe let go of Kane for 120, yep. 130 million and rebuilt? Whatever. Brought three, maybe three 30 million pound players, help Nuno a little bit to get his sort of blueprint. And yes, like, yep. like you alluded to, he is a defensive manager, but maybe have his own blueprint on this team and maybe they would have been better off. I'll tell you what, Brian Gill is a good player, but look at what they gave away to get him. I think it, was, it wasn't Giovanni Lo Celso, it was one of the other Argentinian players that they gave plus cash to get Brian Gill. Foyth, wasn't it? Foyth? That Foyth? Yeah. One Foyth. But it's... He has hit the ground running now. He doesn't get the luxury of, you know, bedding in period. You're coming to a new country, a new league. This is a brand new setup. Under a new manager, he has to work and has to work straight away. Kane should have been out the door. They should have facilitated the move for Ndombele and they should have rebuilt that side with a plan to look at two years' time to be challenging to get it back into the top four. Where it stands now, you've got a centre-forward who looks disinterested if things aren't going his way and your record signing is just... doesn't fit, doesn't work. It doesn't work hard enough. That is shocking for a professional footballer that you don't run. It's an absolute disgrace. And if I was a Spurs fan, I would be climbing the walls, looking at Daniel Levy, asking him, what the hell are you doing? What? Just look at the club. Look at the players you have. And look at where they were in 2019 and look at where they are in 2022 with no plan. That's a scary thing for Spurs. Arsenal at least have young players. This, you can build around Saka, Smith-Rowe, yeah. The Martinelli. There's a couple of centre backs that are young but learning. Ben White, young learning. You know, Ramsdale, young keeper, England under 21. Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, he's been through the rough end of a professional keeper being relegated, be, being in the fiery line. I think but it, he, he very may well turn out to be awful, but you go and buy a decent English goalkeeper at 25-6-7. English doesn't make them I'm a better goalkeeper. Game. I get what you're who, saying, who, mate. That's the English stats. But who's around? But who's around? Nick, Nick Pope, Ramsdale. No, but, but well, Kev, did they need Anana, to go Anana, Anana was like, they can get him for like 15 did, million. Did I they think, need to go know? English, though, for a keeper? They needed to do something because Leno... Isn't Leno Le- is still Leno's better than Ramsdale? Ramsdale is not he, good enough for football for But he's saleable. Len, if you can blood Ramsdale in, Leno is saleable. You can get a feedback for him. You know, at the end of the day, they messed up with Martinelli. That Darlow or not Mar- or Mar- Martinelli. Sorry, Martinez. Yeah, Darlow. Nah, no, not having him. Not having him. No, I'm sorry. Have him over. Um... Ramsdale. I think, Jay, what's your take on Ramsdale? You think he's a good... He's very young. 
Yeah, yeah I, get, I get what Kev's saying. I just, I just don't think he's actually a particularly. I think no. because he's English, it's like it makes him the media pipes him up. I, sorry, Jay, I'll just go on. Jay. That. I go just let you go, Jay. Sorry, mate. No, no, I agree. I, I, I think he's poor. To be honest, you don't get relegated two seasons on the spin if you're not a poor goalkeeper. And I know that's not just down to him. It's not just his fault. But he's not for me. Like, and especially the type of money he spent on him, twenty-five million. I'm not being. Mm. I know it's big. Man, but I think he's a better goalkeeper than Ramsdale is. But I can see Kev's point though, because he's still only a young English goalkeeper. So that's the reason it's like the English premium, isn't it? We have to pay a little bit extra. It's like Ben White. Ben White, fifty million pounds, absolutely scandalous amount of money, but the English premium. And I think he's a decent player. There's something to be worked on there with him, but he spends an awful lot of money on him. He's probably a thirty million pounds. Defender really yeah. isn't he? Let's pay top dollar for him. Ramsdale probably paid 10 million more, probably around about 12, 15 million. It's the English premium. You have to pay that little extra if you want them, and mm-hmm. that's the problem. Really, we're uh, we're we're going to end up finding that out next season, maybe when we start going right. looking for English players, the likes of a Jared Bowen. Well, that's why we're lucky with the likes of Jones and Elliot coming through, aren't we? Because yeah. obviously they're English, so we're lucky in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool do need a few more English-based players, and the problem is we were linked with Jared Bowen, weren't we? And his numbers, his figures are really good. But West Ham are not going to let him go cheap. So he's talking £40 million for him. Yeah, he's only been in the and Premier League for two years. I'd say know, £40 million plus, and the rest, yeah. plus tax. <laughs> I think he's a good player, to be fair, but he's just his numbers are all right. Nothing great in terms of goals and assists, but I think like he would suit Liverpool's style. I said it on a previous podcast in the summer when we were linked to him. I said, you know, people will, will, will turn the nose up at him, but he, he does look like the type of player that would suit Klopp's type of system. He fits the analytics, yeah. yeah. And he you're in a better team as well. You're in a better team. You're yeah. not having to put so much on you. I think it was eight goals and five assists. I think that's good numbers. I think that's good numbers, to be honest. Not bad. From right mid and a four for two, that's that's really good. But have you seen you his pressing I mean? numbers and his like defensive numbers? Incredible. I do. I do for a clock system. He shoots Liverpool style under clock. You see, but it's just the value, isn't he? He's probably a twenty-five million pound player, but West Ham are going to win 40, 45. Yeah. Might scale Liverpool away. I still think that's okay, yeah. G. I mean, 40, 40, 45 doesn't he's like... Not, see, with Jota, with Jota being 40, I, I think that's okay. I don't think that's crazy. Whereas 50 million for Ben White, it's like... You sign Ben White for a Liverpool, you're probably loving it because you're having loads of the ball and he can develop. He's maybe not the great, he's not the greatest defender, but if I'm paying 50 million for a defender, I don't know what's happening with football now, but it's like... You need to be able to defend first, and then we can focus on. If you're a ball player, amazing. But yeah, it's just it's where we are now, isn't it? Yeah, played for Leeds, didn't he? So he only really had a little bit of experience playing centre back for Brighton, and all of a sudden Arsenal signed to be a centre back. He's good in a free. Sorry, most, of, most yeah. of last season Potter played him in a DM role as well. Ben White. He played Ben White in a DM role last season as well. So, you know, he wasn't a centre-back, a set-in-stone centre-back last season for Brighton anyway. But just uh, quick on predictions with the Arsenal Spurs, Kev? Uh, 3-1 Arsenal. Yeah, 3-1 Arsenal. Conroy? I think it'll be 2-2 this game. I just, I think it'll be a good game to watch. Um, But because of the the weaknesses they've both got, I would say 2-2, which is quite, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago you'd say Tottenham that wouldn't happen, but they've they've kind of conceded quite a lot recently. So I'd say 2-2. Jay? Uh, 2 on Arsenal. 
Two one Arsenal. Yeah, I'm gonna go with. I'll probably go with two one Arsenal myself as well. So Arsenal will pick up the three points. Avi, can I just likes. add to that comment? Yep. Avi, sorry, it was about the Ben White. I wasn't saying necessarily for Liverpool. Sorry, folks. I meant that if you played for a bigger team, you can have a lot more of the ball, and it would suit that. Whereas I think Historical. Arsenal, you're not even close to being that controlled in possession in games yet. So, just it's a strange one. That was always said. Hmm. No worries, and we've covered most of Liverpool Brentford this week. I know we covered it yesterday and Wednesday, but just a quick one on this, lads. Are we assuming Fab Hendo? Jones midfield. I know Kev, you've mentioned Milner. Yeah, I said Milner. I said Milner, Milner. just to, I think Milner gives you a bit more control in midfield. Brentford are a good side. They don't concede many and they're lively on the break. And this is the biggest game in their club's history for a long, long time. Uh, brand new stadium, fans back in the ground. You know, one of the best clubs and the biggest clubs in the world coming to your ground. They're going to be right up for this. It's not a. This is not a. This is not a gimme. We're gonna to have to work for this tomorrow. Jay, same inkling or? Yeah, I totally agree with everything that Kev said. There, to be honest, I think um, I do think there's a possibility that Newman might start the game. I can see where people are coming from with Jones though, because he did play last season. He cut his teeth, so if you're looking at the, the likes of Harvey Elliott played in it at the start of the season, so you would think a little bit of creativity from maybe Jones rather than Milner. But I don't think it's going to be an easy game at all. You know, obviously fans there, a fairly new stadium, the newly promoted team, done really well. When you look at the, the way they've adapted to the Premier League, life has been quite well. There's a lot of problems already this season. Play with like a, um, a 5 3 2 system. Um, so it's like sort of like with the, you know, like three centre backs and two attacking full backs, Rico Henry, and then we've got Sergi Canos on the right hand side. Obviously, ex Liverpool player. Um, yeah. Good player as well. Good player. It'd be tough, you know, I think it'd be a tough game, but I'd like to think we'll have a little bit too much for them. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I just think it's a toss up between Jones and Milner. I think a few people say Oxlade Chamberlain, but I think he started the season pretty poorly, to be honest. Oxlade, I mean, the other night against Norwich, he just kept giving the ball away for me. It was just infuriating. I mean, I, I like Mistella, as you know. I think a few, a few too many late nights with the uh, with the overnight feeds. I think with Ox, it's like he's trying too hard to make an impact yeah. instead of just keeping it simple. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't. He's not that poor a player. Like I genuinely think no. at the moment, at times, it's either since his injuries, he can't. He, he's trying to do stuff that's ahead of. If he plays ten games, he can do that stuff. Where at times I'm like, mate. We played football. Just pass the ball there. Just keep it simple. But it's like he's got ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and he's trying to, you know, have an impact. That that's what it looks like to me. But it frustrates me so much because if he just keeps it simple for get get some games under your belt, but he just yeah, I agree with Jay. It just doesn't look good recently. The Tarvel winning season, um, nineteen twenty, when he did come back from the injury, he 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 was playing pretty good football. He was getting the lineups as well. Southampton. I know he scored to get the ball rolling in that game. Um, we saw some great goals that he scored in the Champions League, albeit against lesser competition. But he was starting to get rhythm and then he gets another sort of knee injury during the pre-season. And last season, he just couldn't get going. He does need games, some people can say, in his favourite position. But I think Klopp's just trying him out anywhere right now in the front three, maybe drops him back. on the. I know against Burnley last season when he scored, that was coming from the left. So That was a good goal, actually. That was a good goal. He might just become that utility player where, you know, he might not get his favoured position anymore, which is in the midfield. That's why he wanted that move as well from Arsenal. He might just have to contend with what Klopp says. Look, these are where I need you to do a job and I need you to fulfil it. So it is a 
it is an, another sort of conundrum with Ox. I don't see him starting. I think Klopp will go with Jones, Fabinho, Henderson, but I can also understand why he might go with the tried and trusted as well with Milner. But I know what we had predictions yesterday. Um, Jay, I went with 3-0 Liverpool. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, what's your predictions for tomorrow? Yeah, I think we'll win the game, um, but I do think it'll be quite close. I, I liken it to a little bit like, remember when Sheffield United got first got promoted and we went in, it was a really tough game. Um, Genie Wijnaldum scored late on, a bit of a howler from Dean Anderson. Yeah. Won the game 1-0, newly promoted team. I think it might be a little bit similar, could be a bit cagey at times, but I just think Liverpool have a little bit too much. And Liverpool are playing really well at the moment, scoring goals for fun, um, but I think it'll be close, but I think they'll win 2-1. Kev? Yeah, agreed. 2-1. I I think it'll be really tight. Um, the only thing, you look at them, and if they play with the two up top, which I hope they do, then you're going to be looking for Trent to be switching play a lot. You know, Van Dijk to balls in from deep. You know, just shift that midfield three of theirs around and create space that way. It's It'll be a tough game, but I think two one. I'd be happy enough with that. Look, I'd be happy with any claim in a minute. I'm not I'm not fussy, but two yeah, 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 two one makes me look like a smoke fucker. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Moving away from football now, we've got the boxing, which is tomorrow night as well. Probably one of the biggest fights I don't know, since Joshua Klitschko back home is, you know, is, is that what we're looking at in terms of numbers? I know it's big out here. Like there's been a lot of build up here on ESPN on Showtime as well. Um, I'm presuming it's the same back home. I want to come to you, Jay, because I know we speak about boxing. You know, we've been speaking over the years about boxing and heavyweights and we're entering an era where, you know, and I know there's the four, the big four, the top four, you can say Wilder, Fury, Joshua, Usyk now who comes into from cruiserweight. But you've got boxers underneath, Frank Sanchez, the Cuban, Luis Ortiz, who gave Wilder a bit of trouble before Wilder got the better of him. This fight, this could be this could be a negative spin and a positive. If Usyk wins, it throws that whole conundrum of the four getting those dream fights in jeopardy. But it can also set off a knockout system where if Usyk does win and say Fury beats Wilder, Maybe Wilder and Usyk have their fight. The winner out of those two meet the winner of Joshua and Fury. So I don't think people saying that, you know, if Usyk wins, it jeopardizes the Joshua Fury. I don't think it does. I think that still comes into play. How do you see this fight and how do you see the heavyweight division currently as well? You know, well, it's really intriguing because when this fight was made, I thought straight away Joshua was going to be far too big for Usyk. Look, I respect Usyk. I think he's absolutely genius fighter. He's definitely gifted. He's got quick feet, quick hands, movements, fantastic. But Anthony Joshua's a, an absolute beast. He's a specimen. And I just thought he'd be a bit too powerful for him. Now, since then, I studied up a little bit more on it. And I didn't even realise like Usyk's actually fought Joe Joyce, hasn't he, in the yeah. past? In the amateurs, uh, yeah. Yeah, about seven or eight years ago. And it was a little bit of a slugfest um, when six rounds and obviously Usher got, got the verdict. And I watched like little clips of it and stuff. And, um, you know, the thing with Usher's right, what you've got to realise is he normally starts his fights quite slowly. Now, the thing is with Usher, what he does is people who've fought him in the past have read up on stuff about him. 
what he does, he, he sort of like tries to figure out his opponent. So then what you find is later on in the fight, he becomes, he gets on top of them and he, he, he sort of like figures them out. And this is the problem. I think Joshua realistically should just use his power and just try and knock him out because I, he's proved in the past when he fought Andy Ruiz in the rematch, he, sort of, he lost loads of weight and he, he proved he can box, not just punch, he can box. And he's got quick feet himself, he's got quick hands, he, you know, he's powerful, we all know that. But I just think if he tries to fight that type of fight against Dusik, if it gets beyond six rounds, he could be in trouble Come because he's classy and he's well-oiled. He's like a, obviously, he's a well-oiled machine and he's used to going 12 rounds. And you know, Joshua has been 12 rounds, of course, he has a couple of times. The thing with Joshua, he's more of a knockout merchant, isn't he, as we've seen in the past. And I just think with if if he wants to sort of like boxer boxer, he might come unstuck a little bit. So I think he might have to go for a knockout, really, a knockout finish. But whether or not his mindset's there, I don't know because he's talking like I can beat him, I can beat him, you know, behind my jab, I can box him for twelve rounds. I'm not so sure he can because Usyk's classy, but it's very no. it's very difficult, very intriguing to sort of like pick pick a, re- a a winner really, in my opinion, because. It is genuinely a 50-50 fight now when you analyse the bigger picture of it all because I think in terms of a boxer, Usyk's the better boxer. But I just think, you know you know yourself, the heavyweight division, one punch can just change it all. And I just don't think Usyk's got the knockout power for Joshua. But Joshua certainly has to Usyk. So it's going to be a game of chess really, isn't it? Um, very intriguing fight and very difficult to call. But if someone had to put a gun to my head and say who's going to win the fight, I would probably just say Joshua. And I think that's what you just alluded to it, um, Jay. For the first time when I saw Joshua fight the Ruiz rematch, it's the first time I saw a bit of intelligence in his game. You know, he wasn't going for the knockout. He was being clever. He was utilising his jab really well as well. Usyk, even against Bellew, he didn't start off really well. Those first three, four rounds, Bellew was in it. You know, Bellew was in it from round one, round two. He was, he was sort of getting the better of him, but then he comes into his own. That's what it is. He's a, a bit of a late starter, Usyk, in his fights, you know, against Marco Huck. Um, found, tru- found trouble first sort of two or three rounds, but got into it. And he's very elusive, like you said, works his angles off um, brilliantly. You know, he can come from left or right. He's He is the shorter man, but I feel that, the shorter boxers can trouble heavyweights, like we saw with Ruiz. Dillian White gave Joshua a bit of trouble. You know, we know that you know Joshua landed a brilliant sort of punch, which was a devastating knockout. But Dylan White provided a bit of stiff competition to Joshua. Kev, how do you see this yeah. one? You know, and there is this little factor as well with Usyk being Ukrainian and Joshua getting the better of his idol, who was um, Klitschko, not Vitali. What's his yeah. uh, Vladimir Klitschko? Vladimir. There's a, there's a little bit of that in Usyk as well, and I'm sure he wants to, um, you know, take a revenge, as you call it, as some may call it, yeah. against AJ. How do you see this one going? It's to be fascinating because AJ has only ever fought one southpaw before, and knocked him out in a round. It was when he won his first world title. Um, Usyk is an absolute machine of a boxer. He is really, really good. And he come, he's, he's come up from cruiserweight, but he's come up the right way. He's put on the weight slowly and gradually, and now he looks like a fully a full-blown heavyweight. You know, the I don't think he's going to have the power unless he catches Joshua, but I think technically he can catch him. Um, this is a pick em. It really is. Joshua has the power to knock any man out. And it's heavyweight boxing. Any man can get knocked out. 
but I think Usek is too good. I think I don't think I disagree with Jay to the point. I don't think Anthony Joshua is a good boxer. I think he's very physically brutal. He's strong, but I think Usek is far superior boxer, and I think he knows too much. Um. If it goes anywhere past six rounds, I think Usyk wins out of points. Um, the, do you think? Do you think it will go, Kev? Though, do you think? Do you think Joshua's always got that I chance with know. his ability to knock him out? Yeah, that's the thing. Thirty-six minutes is a long time, you know, especially if he catches it. He he won't be able to out jab and work behind the jab with Usyk because Usyk will just work his angles. But one shot—that's all. He—that's all it needs. One shot, and he. Joshua will finish him and he'll end it he'll end it in no time I, it, I look I won't pay for pay-per-view boxing I won't pay for it so I'll listen to it in the radio and I absolutely I'll, love that I'll, I love, I'll I send love, you a stream I love listening no I, I, <laughs> you know what, you straight up I, I love listening to boxing on the radio I've never seen yeah. a bad fight in the radio and when you get <laughs> Costello my, when you get Mike Costello talking about talking through a fight you close your eyes and just Wait, every, everything's it. everything's better on the radio cave. It just sounds better on the radio. They make it sound but more bo- exciting. Boxing is unique. It, was, it brings back it brings back the first time I listened to a fight in the radio, I was with my dad, it was two o'clock in the morning. And it was um Jerry Cooney and Larry Holmes nineteen eighty two. And <laughs> yeah. I was I was ten. I was ten years old and I stayed up with my dad to listen to it in the radio. And ever since then, I love boxing on the radio. I absolutely love it. I'm really looking that's forward su- to tomorrow night. That's superb, mate. I love that, mate. That's superb. You know, but I, I, you want to try it? If you're watching yeah. it on a stream, if you're watching it on a stream, put the radio commentary on and watch it. Totally different experience. It really is. It's fascinating. You get Costello and Buncey t- talking you through a fight. Fantastic. I see Bunce is good. I, I like he's a good laugh. Yeah. He's good. He's yeah, a good, he's good. laugh. He's a good he is. Just, just don't, this just is a pick him. Yeah, I'll say this is a pick em. I don't know how it's going to go I truly don't yeah. uh, so that's the intriguing thing there's some great heavyweight fights to be made yeah. if the promoters can get their heads <laughs> cheers Steve honey <laughs> but it's it's one of those things the heavyweight boxing has some great fights out there if the promoters are brave enough to make them make them yeah. you know Fury Tied, Fury tied himself into a three-fight deal with Wilder, and I fear for Fury this time because I think Fury's bored. I think he knows he's too good for Wilder, but I think he's bored, and I Wilder could catch him, and Wilder could Wilder could knock him out if he doesn't. If Fury doesn't have the right mindset going into this fight, we'll touch upon the Wilder Fury quickly. But just back on Joshua, you made a good point that I don't think Joshua is a very aesthetically good boxer he's very hyper mobile shoulders and he's he's sort of rigid and similar to and don't quote me on this and i'm not comparing them but very similar to what frank bruno was he just couldn't get free sort of flow and and that's the issue that i have but that's a a body type yeah yeah it's sometimes it can't be helped it's it's a body type you can't lose weight on your shoulders unfortunately it's like having a um a chin you either got a chin or not and usik can get caught Caught and this is going to be heavyweight getting caught yeah, at heavyweight. Proper power. If, if Joshua 
connects him. And like Jay says, if he can, I think Joshua only wins this by KO. I don't think he can last 12 yeah. rounds with Usyk because Usyk has the intelligence, he has the structure, and he, ha he can manufacture his way to he, a points win. And that's how I see... He's a stamina. Yeah. He's a stamina. It's, that's the difference between... If you've got a big... I mean, Joshua's, what, 6'6". Six, six. He's 17 stone 2, but he's 17 stone 2 of muscle. So if you're 17 stone 2 of muscle, like Frank Bruno when he was boxing, muscle takes more out of your body than, say, if you're an Andy Ruiz. You can carry... You can absorb oxygen better. You, it's completely, I know scientifically the way fighters train now is completely different to how they train in the nineties. But even still, there is not, there's no, there's no body fat on him. His way, his way of getting through 12, 12 rounds, if it's a high paced fight, he, he will fade and he will fade badly and Usek will pick him off. He will just outpoint him. Even as uh, Usyk has only ever fought away, he knows what it's like to be the away fighter. He knows what it's like to be a stadium fighter. I think he's he's well capable of taking this 12 rounds and winning it on points and probably winning it by four or five rounds, even with friendly judges. Conroy? As long as... Sorry, no, go on, Kev. Finish off. And then no, no, we'll no. Go, no, go on, Conroy. Shoot away. No, shoot away. Just wanted to the predictions. Yeah, go on, Conroy. Um, no, I was just going to say, I think that both uh, the comments from Jay and Kev are bang on. I feel like, um, <clears throat> to me, it's going to be interesting, you say, going from um, cruiserweight to this fight, it's, it's heavyweight boxing. I know that's a cliche term all the time, but if the Andy Ruiz outcome does not tell you that that cliche stands always, nothing else will, mate. That was still the most crazy fight. Just like Joshua, he's going to knock him down. It's another straightforward and then Ruiz out in nowhere. Just crazy. Um, I, I think um, I'm actually very intrigued. See if it does go past six, I'll be very intrigued to see what happens. Like I'm actually getting quite excited for it now. But um, I, I would say that um, for me, I, I, I've got a feeling Joshua will knock him out within that time, maybe third, fourth. Just, just maybe, maybe. And, and you know what? It might, it might just be a bit of luck. It might not necessarily be outstanding boxing, but it's heavyweight boxing, and, and I could see that happening. However, takes one shot. If he gets past the sixth round, oh, it's, it's going to like gets to that. It's going to be. I, I agree with. I, I think it was a Jay said as well. I can't. I can't see Josh. It was Kev. I can't see Joshua winning on points, but I do think he'll knock him out. But whatever, it, it would be an interesting fight, and it's. Um, I can feel the opposite. I think if Usyk wins, I actually think it kind of. I know we're talking about like the British boxing scene, but I actually think it maybe makes it a wee bit interesting as well. Because I, I don't think it's like the Ruiz rematch. I don't think like Joshua's career's over if he loses this match. Whereas no. that match felt very much like this is this is it, mate. This is like the chance to it, be greatness is gone if you don't win. I think it throws spanners in the works for the better of boxing if yeah, Usyk yeah. wins. That's just me though. That's just me. I think I think if Usyk wins this, I think it's quicker to do a deal of Joshua and Fury, regardless of what happens with Joshua and Wilder. I think it makes it a little bit easier negotiating that fight. Jay, prediction, and how do you see the Fury and Wilder fight as well? Well, you know, as I said before... And we want a prediction. No, no, we want a prediction as well, Jay, from you. Uh, you know, what if he's brave, you're talking about the Fury fight now? Joshua Usyk, Joshua Usyk, yeah. You know what, I think it's... I just think Joshua will win. So whether he wins by knockout or he wins on points, I just think he'll win. And the reason being, right, I think Usyk's definitely in the fight. And I, and I do think if it goes 12 rounds, there is a chance he could win on points. But 
European, obviously in London, home fighter, the champion. I think it's going to be very difficult for Usyk to win on points regardless. Even, we know he's a classy boxer. I understand that. I know he's brilliant. He's unbelievable. He's a superstar. But I just think Joshua might just have a little bit too much. So I think Joshua will win. Whether it's by KO or whether it's on points, I just think Joshua will win. Kev, prediction? Yeah, I think Usyk points. Joshua knockout inside five rounds. It'll be one or it could go... It could go either. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It could go either way. Yeah, it it literally could go either way. And that's what makes it interesting. That's why we're all talking about it. That's why we want to watch it. And that's what heavyweight boxing has been screaming for for a decade or more. And you look at the fights that are under it or that are to come in the heavyweight scene. Joyce Dubois. um, You've got Five or six really good, really good heavyweights out there. Odie Harrison's still on the scene somewhere. Is he? Andy. He's got talent to stop. <laughs> David Price? David <laughs> Price? David Price is all Price. Uh, David alone. In all fairness, David Hayward got in a boxing ring last couple of weeks ago. That, this week's yeah. Just, yeah. Let's, let's just move. It's all mine. It's all Can we move? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on, on a limb and say that we're looking at a new heavyweight champion come Saturday night. Usyk, I think that will win on points. I think the scorecards will be fair, but I think he'll do. It. I think he'll get the job done. Um, I just think there's a that Ukrainian factor of Joshua beating Vladimir Klitschko. I think Usyk's gonna avenge that loss and he's gonna do it for his people. And you know, but it's it's, ne- it's not the end for either fighter. It's not oh, the yeah. end for either fighter. There's so many good fights out there to be made. And it's all good so- for boxing. Every so often, the heavyweight division, you need a bit of a shake-up as well. Holyfield and Tyson, you know, when they fought, you need a bit of a shake-up. And this could be another shake-up where you think, oh, weren't expecting that, but it opens up a new avenue. I want to quickly get on, because I know we're tight for time. I just want to quickly come on this. um, Obviously, living out here, I'm totally Team USA. Um, Ryder Cup has started today. And I don't know anything about golf. And these are where I expect Jay and yourself, Kev, or Conroy, if he knows much about golf, to take lead. But they is it true that they play in pairs, is it? Is it pairings, one against the other? And then the home not- team decides the format. Yeah, the home team decides the formats. It's this time the USA, whether it's foursomes, four balls. But it's match play golf. And it doesn't matter if it's par three or par four. You, you draw the hole or you beat the other guy. It's... It's the most basic form of golf there is, and it's it's brilliant. Unfortunately for us, I think this USA side, with the fans behind them, and the course they picked, I yeah, it's not looking good at the minute. So I'll get, but I'll get the, the matches have all been close. The matches have all been close. There's only a couple of holes in most matches, so tomorrow's another day. And that's the and thing with the Ryder Cup. And Jay, I want to come to you. I think it was maybe last year or the, maybe the previous years. The fans play a big part in this as well, don't they? Because they do their taunting. They, I know the US crowd start chanting, you know, USA, USA. And that's had an effect, hasn't it? It's, it's 5-1 now. Laura has said USA have taken a lead of 5-1. to one. But um, I just want to say, the, the, these are, this is, is this the competition in golf on the PGA circuit where fans do play a part with a little bit of... Um, you know, gamesmanship? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, there's fans there. 
partner than Crad, Americans, so there's no Europeans there really. So it's a massive advantage for the Americans. But not just that, when you look at the, the, the teams, Europe have got John Rahm, who's the, who's the best in the world. But, you know, obviously after that, America have got like most make up the top 10 in the world. So they've got much the, the better team going into this Ryder Cup. So it doesn't surprise me that they've started off well. And is it four or five, one now? Do you know what I mean? So I, I did really fancy USA to win. I mean, you look at Europe and They've got good team spirit, but they've got quite a few aging players in that team for me. Um, and like I say, it doesn't surprise me at all that USA are winning five-one. I think it is now, so I fully expecting to win the World Cup. But you know, it's just a little bit disappointing because you know, yeah, the big build-up for it. But like I say, massive advance for the Yanks because there's no fans there from Europe really. And just a quick, and the scores, like say it's now 5-1, the scores carry on yeah. the next day, don't it? Saturday yeah. to Sunday? It's, yeah. Okay. It's first to 14 and a half, is it, Jack? 14 and a half. Yeah, 14 and a half. 14 and a half. If, if, if Europe gets a 14, they'll retain the other clubs if they have the current holders. But as it's going at the moment, it looks like USA are going to give them a high. Yeah, guys, guys, yeah. see, my memory, I just checked there now. I, I, my brain might be playing tricks on me. But was there not was not a comeback a couple of years ago? Not like a, like not like you know like twelve one down. But there, was it US or Europe came back a couple of years ago when it was like a poor start like that? It might not have been five one, but something my brain's telling me it was maybe 2019, 2018, There was a there's a there's a comeback like that. Am I talking nonsense? I can't remember. It's just something sticking out in my head. Yeah, so I remember watching it. The thing is with the Ryder Cup, the US are. Sorry, Jay. Sorry, no, sorry, Jay. Shoot away. Europe, we start slowly, but the five one down now, so this is a bit of a massacre at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, the, a- the thing is with the Ryder Cup, there's only four points on offer per per round. So Europe would need a clean sweep tomorrow, just to get b- tomorrow morning in in whatever format they're playing tomorrow morning. Then there'll be another four in the afternoon up for grabs. And then on the Sunday, it's singles. So there's 12 points up for grabs on the Sunday and straight shootout. You need to be, Europe will need to be within two or three going into Sunday if they're to stand any chance. And Sundays is where they play singles with one another. Singles against each other, yeah. Got it. Nice pairings. Right, I don't watch a lot of golf. It's great for TV. Don't watch golf, period, Conrad. It's great for TV. You know what I mean? Because it's straight shootout. Constant coverage as well. Constantly. It's like a highlights package all the time. Because I know, I'm sure you can maybe see there's other tournaments like that as well. But I always thought the the Ryder Cup was like, obviously I'm Scottish, so you had Colin Montgomery was the the captain um, as well. So it was like, that was just, I just remember watching my stepdad. Just um, ex- exciting, isn't it? It's just, it's quite, um, it's a, a unique unique experience for golf. Sunday, but, um, Sunday at the Ryder Cup, Sunday, the, the last day of the Ryder Cup, when it's on, when there's something on it and you've got fans there, it's mental. It re- It's 60,000, 70,000 on a course and it is unreal. You know, with the what's, what's, your favorite, what's your favourite Ryder Cup um, moment, Jay and Kev? What's your favourite Ryder Cup moment? Or one of For them. me, Ian Poulter, uh, just his and Sergio Garcia, just watching them play and the enthusiasm they have for it. Because golf is one of those me, myself, and I sports until they get involved in Ryder Cup 
and then it's team. Now, for, for the last 10, 12 years, the US have really struggled with that. You know, with egos, Europe is complete opposite. The players buy into it, they love it, because they all come up from the Walker Cup as amateurs playing with each other. So this is, this has been ours, you know, it's been ours for a long time. And this time, I think it could slip away, but it makes it all the better. I think the Ryder Cup turnaround is really quick. You know, because this, this one is three a three-year gap to this one. So I don't know if the Ryder Cup is next year in Europe. It might be. I don't know. I'll have to check was, it out. Was there a moment, I'll come to you, Jay, for your favourite Ryder Cup moment. Was there a moment where Sam Torrance, I think, if, if I've got his name correctly, he had a moment with the fans in one Ryder Cup, but then they end, he ended up winning and it was like sort of like karma had sort of bitten the US on its backside. Was there a moment that in the Ryder Cup or was that a different tournament that I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't happy at all with the way some of the calls. He was spat out something. He was spat out something. Uh, I think. Oh, I think. I don't know. Stuff them, and he had a little bit of a rant over it. I mean, for me, I mean, look, I, I like the Ryder Cup, but I'm not a massive, massive golf fan. Um, you know, so not there isn't really one that stands out to me. You know, like rolling to one. You know what I mean? From whatever year to, to another. Um, but it's it's a massive spectacle on the sporting calendar. Make no mistake about that. Um, you know, like when you, when you look at the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is, is is a big thing in America, but the Ryder Cup is certainly rivals that. You know, like every couple of years when it when that event takes place. So this is a massive weekend for golf. Yeah. Can, can I just add, guys? See, um, it's not the Ryder Cup because I, I do. I know Laura's saying I have watched some golf, Laura. I just don't watch it continuously all the time. But um, what I would say is one of my favourite moments. Um, do you know when Sergio Garcia? Was it US? Was it US Open, uh, Kev, when he won, um, and he hadn't won a major previously, and it was um, it was what's his what was his mentor who passed was it away? Augusta, was it? Ballester, uh, it was, and it was and it was like very emotional, and everyone wanted him to win it, and he did. That yeah. that's my favourite golf moment because that was like it didn't matter who who you were, it was just a great day. Yeah, someone so put it in the comments just, there, Darren, Darren Clark, with what he went through when his wife passed. Of uh, and. He was phenomenal that year. Another one with him downing a point in Guinness at the end. You know, another you know players yeah. jumping in the lakes, all that kind of stuff. They're mad jokes, like. Yeah, you know, but it was it's you you could you could not watch golf from one year to the next, but the Ryder Cups on you watch you watch that you watch that's those last. Days. That's, that's what said. everyone buys into it. It's a bit like the snooker. I would never watch the regional yeah. tournaments or the British Open, but the World Crucibles. Because the, yeah, you'd watch the Crucible in Sheffield. You, you would watch it just because you got the yeah, characters. Yeah, tradition, and isn't it? I think because we all always wanted, and I'm pretty sure I might speak for all four of us. Uh, Conroy, maybe not, because he's probably a Stephen Henry fan, but we always wanted Jimmy White to finally win a major. <laughs> you know, Jimmy. Yeah, you bet, you Believe it, eight, eight majors, yeah. Stephen Hendry. Yeah. You better believe it, mate. I think it, mate. Beat Jimmy for about five, six of them. But well, no, but yeah, there's yeah. a thing in Scotland, like see, like John Higgins and stuff. People, like, I can't remember John Higgins, uh, like two or three, maybe three. Alan, Alan McManus, Alan McManus there as well. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, but yeah. Stephen Hendry just disappeared when he finished. Like you just not seen him again, and it's like people. I think people have forgot he just dominated he's, for a he's long back time. On the old, um, he's yeah, back he's back on the commentary now. He's back on the. I'll tell, I'll tell you a story about that off air because there's a podcast I watch, and it's basically like they called him out, and then the next week he said he's coming back, but I don't think it was related. But it was like they're trying to say John Higgins is better, and then said what Stephen Hendry done, he's not. Anyway, he's won eight eight bloody majors. Yeah, so he's, it was good. It was good. 
incredible. Uh, I think talent. when it comes to snooker, it's one of those sports that we all think we can do because we can all go to the pub and play pool. You know what I mean? And you watch someone playing snooker and you're racking up 40, breaks of 40 and 50, you're like, yeah, he's tasty, he's good. And you see him whacking in breaks of 100 plus. I feel the hours of practice in that, man. It's Kev, phenomenal. I'm 5'2", five, I'm five and I find a pool table as hard as it is. I've got to use a spider. <laughs> the other spiders that they use, like I've got to use one oh, of those no. ones. But, um, yeah, I can't I can't play snooker for. I think my highest break <laughs> must be like three or something. I've got the red and I think I've got the yellow. But yeah, no, no, snooker's, snooker's definitely... take that and walk away. Yeah, take that and walk away. But guys, it's been a great show. Um, Jay, we finally got, the, finally got you on the show. Thanks again. Um, would love to have you on Kev. Um, keep doing your thing. Thanks for coming on Conroy. I know you've got your own podcast channel as well. If you want to plug that before we wrap up. Yeah, no worries. Um, so just if you, I've got my own channel, it's Conroy talks and, uh, you see a lot of the, the, the guys actually from the day trippers over there, just chatting about general football stuff, not specifically Premier League, just whatever's really kind of ha- topical and happening that week. So if you want to go and, Come over and join us for that. That would be much appreciated. And um, also, I've got Twitter. It's um, it's at underscore Conroy H on Twitter. And um, yeah, I just usually retweet a lot of stuff and, and information about shows. But yeah, if you just want to head over, it'll be a good chat, and you see you see the guys, and hopefully get Jay and Kev on as well at some point. Maybe me and Kev can do a watch along again because I thoroughly enjoy that <laughs> Kev is maybe the best person yeah, to do a watch along laugh. with. That was a really good laugh. <laughs> so yeah, we'll get some sorted with that. But yeah, thanks again, uh, Avi. That was a cracking show. I always. Always love the kind of this show, the sports on love every show on it, but this show's really good because we're chatting about football most of the week, but it's really good to mix it up and yeah, it's a great idea for a show again, mate, and just happy to be on. So thanks again. Nice one, nice one. And you're always welcome anytime. And just to just a quick one to confirm tomorrow we've got a pre match, Conroy and Chris. Then we've got a post match, which I think will be Red Sea Podcast, mate. Yeah. Red Sea Podcast, and then obviously the fact that for on Sunday, where I think Grizz will be sporting his new hairdo uh, that he's got new uh, from Turkey. <laughs> don't, his... don't get them started again. You <laughs> put it down it's last right. night, Abby. That, that's it. The community is going to be on So we'll see, um, we'll see him uh, with his new hair on Sunday. But um, no, guys, that's been a great one. Stay safe, stay blessed. But you've seen it, haven't you? Have you gone for the Graham soon as 1984? Oh, not yet. You, no, can, yeah, tell. you can tell. It that. takes about seven months to, for the little roots to grow. <laughs> so we'll find, we'll find out on Sunday. He's probably got it plastered or whatnot. But, um, <laughs> But no, it's a great one, lads. Uh, hopefully three points tomorrow, uh, top of the league, and United lose. That would be a great weekend. And Joshua and Usyk, good luck to both men. And whoever takes it, takes it. Good night. That's the four of us. Thank you very much. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.